10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello and welcome to 1v1 Me Bro, an audio cast dedicated to bringing you the personalities within gaming, music, movies, and TV that you want to get to know. My name is Weezer, or Game with Weezer if you want. And I'll be your host as we find out what inspires these individuals to do what they do, their backgrounds, and how gaming has become such an intricate part of their life. So whether you're working, relaxing, or like me, gaming, sit back and enjoy this as we go head-to-head in another 1v1 me, bro. My guest this episode is Anthony, but most of you know him as Amper Camper. Amper is a community manager for Ubisoft and is currently working on the division and gearing up for what looks to be one of the biggest launches of 2019 in the Division 2. But putting all that hype aside, let's get to know Amper as we sit down for a 1v1 Me Bro interview. Enjoy. All right, everyone, so it's time for our first 1v1 Me Bro, and I'm excited to have with me a very special guest today. I have community manager from the Division and the Division 2 under Ubisoft, Mr. Amper Camper himself. Amper, how are you doing? And thanks for joining me. Dude, I'm absolutely amazing. I appreciate you having me, too. And again, I appreciate you letting me be the guinea pig for excited to be here. And again, I appreciate your time, man. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. Uh, so here on 1v1 Me Bro, it's more about getting to know the person behind the gaming scene. So let's do that. It's going to be, uh, like I said, probably a quick 20 or 30 minute interview just to get to know you more, uh, you know, before before we know you as a community manager, Amper. So, uh, so let's go in the Wayback Machine. We were talking before we just started. So you are from the New York area. You're from New York. That- yeah, I grew up on Long Island, New York. Long Island. That, so what was that uh, like growing up uh, as a young amper in, you know, close to, I think you said you're like an hour from, from the big city? Yeah, about an hour from the big city. Uh, Long Island's super expensive, so <clears throat> moving out to North Carolina was definitely something that I, I didn't hesitate on my own for the first time. But right. uh, I do want to say it's it's home, right? Um, my parents' house is a little bit farther out east from mm-hmm. the city, like you said, an hour. But the scenery is just its absolutely gorgeous. Um, I whine a lot on Twitter all the time about the lack of authentic Italian food here, and I'm totally going to do the same. Uh, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity to do the same right now. Long Island delis with chicken parmesan iced teas in those big styrofoam cups. I don't know. I haven't seen like a like a mom and pop deli here just yet, and I'm really missing out. I, I miss it a lot. So when you say iced tea, you're talking about is it it's generally unsweet tea uh up north is that correct there's no y'all don't have sweet tea like the south no and even i'm not personally a fan of sweet tea it's with some of the other community <laughs> managers about the difference between sweet tea unsweetened tea and then just general iced tea like mm-hmm. snapple or pure leaf and i want to ask your opinion please <clears throat> okay is there is iced tea sweet tea no it's not uh, no if it's not sweet tea, the only thing that you're supposed to do is take the cup over to the sink and pour it down the drain because there's nothing, there's no other tea besides sweet tea, unsweetened tea, iced tea. 
that, that that's not a thing. I mean, it is a thing, but but no, in the South, that you're basically committing blasphemy if it's anything other than sweet tea. Um, I, they I acknowledge that there's three types. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just the other two shouldn't be at the same table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when I went to the three, I was. I ordered a bunch of uh, sweet tea, and it might have been unsweetened tea that they brought out a couple mm -hmm. of times. And I was expecting iced tea, like you know, <clears> stuff <throat> that has a, like a lot of sugar in it that mm -hmm. you know tastes like Snapple or Arizona iced tea, mm -hmm. something like that. Right. And oh boy, it, it was not what I had expected. It was it was definitely something that I uh, I'm not a fan of. So I'm sorry. I will exit the <laughs> podcast now since I'm not a fan of sweet tea. I'll see you later. I apologize. <laughs> Growing up in that area, did you do any kind of like when you were in school? Were you into sports? Were you into anything, you know, extracurricular? Growing up, um, when I was in elementary school, I played a lot of basketball. Um, I spent a lot of hours just just playing ball outside before I discovered YouTube and Twitch. I mean, we'll get there. Mm -hmm. But uh, my parents also bought us a trampoline when I was very young as well. So my brothers and I were pretty big gymnastics heads. We did a little bit of karate. Um, we learned how to like you know what are they uh, all those flips and kind of things like that into mm -hmm. the pool on the trampoline all over the place um so other than that i didn't play too many like official sports a couple of intramural stuff with my buddies but um um uh, nothing too serious ultimate yeah. frisbee was pretty cool too but that's most of where i spent my time until of course the whole video game thing happened so in that you know growing up in that area also obviously you have a lot of pro sports teams with a lot of history and stuff. Were you a fan of, of like that, you know, you, you'd said you played basketball Were you a Knicks fan. You know, you obviously have the Yankees in that area that, that have a lot of history. Were you a, a fan of sports? Uh, well, like you said, it was always like a Yankees versus Mets rivalry mm. where I'm from. Um, I had a Yankees hat, like a really bright blue Yankees hat that I still wear to this day. Uh, throughout high school, I wore it a lot, but I didn't really watch too many sports to be honest. I blame mm. it on my dad all the time. Um, <laughs> You know, my dad was never watching sports, never really cared very much. When we went over to my uh, my aunt and uncle's house for Thanksgiving, it was always my uncles screaming at the TV, really super loud, never really understood the point, right? Mm -hmm. Just not ever my thing. So totally putting the blame on, on my dad. So <laughs> I never, it just never really got passed down, right? So yeah, uh, that was never something that really interests me. Now, again, if there was like a Golden State Warriors versus Cavs game on, like now I'll totally, you know, check it out. But for the most part, it's not something that I... I'll spend my free time doing. When we were at uh, ETF Bravo in uh, at Red Storm, um, I think the first night we got there, Yannick and Hamish went to a Carolina Hurricanes game. Uh, and I thought about going, but, you know, I knew Yannick was a hockey fan because we had talked about it um, during streams when I used to work third shift and I was in the streams every night all the time. I knew Yannick was a fan because we had talked about hockey before, but to to get to ETF and see Hamish put on this face as he was super excited to go see his first NHL hockey game was, was pretty <laughs> hilarious. Uh, good times. Um, so video games, where does that begin for you in your young life? Wow. Um, I had mentioned this. We touched on it briefly um, when I had first went to um, Massive in Sweden. Um, we did a Get to Know Your Community Members podcast with Hamish. Mm -hmm. So I touched on it a little bit there. Um, my grandmother had a NES, a Nintendo Entertainment System, with mm -hmm. I believe it was Super Mario at the time. Um, you know, all those games kind of get meshed together. Um, but... You know, I absolutely adore my grandmother, right? But you know how it is when you're you're super young. You head on over to your relative's house, you say hi, and then you're kind of bored as like you know, like a 
seven, eight-year-old kid. All the adults were chatting their ears off, and uh, she had a nest. And she had no idea how it really worked. It was, you know, kind of plugged in. We, we, my brothers and I kind of played with it a little bit. But that's really how it all started. Uh, it's amazing to think about that that one system, you know, mm-hmm. uh, starting it all. Yeah, I really don't know what you're getting into back then. You know, I was just trying to have some fun and, and distract myself from, you know, going to grandma's house. Right. Uh, a few hours at my grandma's would turn into a hobby. It would turn into my, my YouTube journey that I went on and eventually a career uh, in community at Ubisoft. So really, really weird how things kind of come full circle there. NES starts out for a bunch of us. I remember uh, the the NES coming out uh, roughly when I was about ten or eleven, um, and you know I kind I miss those days. I, I love what we do as gamers now and how communities grow and online uh, interaction with with gaming. Uh, but the NES represented something much different for for me growing up. It was having those sleepovers, trying to stay up all night with your buddies and beat the Castlevanias and beat the Zeldas, those kind of things. And, you know, obviously, obviously now as a grown up, I don't think it's the, the most appropriate thing for me to get my buddies together and all of us have a sleepover and play games. But it's it's just a very different uh, scene now. I miss those days of, of yeah. getting with your, your friends that you grow up with and getting over at somebody's house and just sitting out and, you know, just banging out a, a full night of playing games on the NES. That was a uh, fun times. I mean, I still kind of do that stuff, though. Like, you know, Right, you and Shacha and Terry and all, y'all get together and spend the night with one? I mean, I, if Terry wants to come spend the night, absolutely. <laughs> but when I think it was like Black Ops 2 and mm-hmm. more recently, actually, it wasn't actually that recent anymore. Uh, the Mr. Pintari expansion for WoW, a couple of my buddies, they brought their laptops over, they brought their consoles over, and we kind of all-nighted games. The yeah. one thing I have never done, though, I've never really like uh, pitched a tent outside your local game store for a release. I've never done that. I just always thought, that, you know, the UPS or the, the truck or the mailman will bring it to me. You know, right. I, I never decided to just camp out somewhere. When I, I could just get it within the comfort of my own home later. But game nights, those totally should still be a thing. And you re- Anytime you want, Weez, we'll play something. Yeah, you really don't see that much anymore. I've never really done it for any games as far as the midnight releases. Now, I, I, I can't remember exactly what year, but I, I set in line for a PS2 when the PS2 launched and the PS3. The PS3 wasn't as bad, but the PS2 when it launched, uh, the local uh, brick and mortar uh, that had it here, um, people started getting in line uh, almost two days before. So my, 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 my PS2 Amper, I sat in line for 28 hours. I had to sit there for 28 hours. Yeah. Yeah. I was, no, I just had like a, a, just a lawn chair and, and my wife at the time she would come there. She, she dropped me off and then she brought me breakfast the next day and lunch and then dinner. And if you, I'm talking about these people were hardcore. If you got out of line and you didn't have somebody there to hold your space in line, that was it. You weren't in line anymore. So I was number eight in line. Wow. I was number eight in line and the, the store that got them got 10 units. That's all they got was 10. There were hundreds. There were hundreds of people in line. They got 10. That was it. Isn't that always the case, though? Thousands oh, yeah. of people line up, oh, yeah. and they have enough to support maybe two people. Yeah, I think I think Nintendo still does that with the Switch. Like we're we're only getting <laughs> so many, and that's it. There, there's we're never gonna make another one. And so people lose their mind 
to get the the NES Classic, and then now they're like, okay, we're gonna just ship a ton more of them now. So you waiting in line was pointless. But yeah, there there were hundreds of people in line. They only got ten. I got mine, and. I was legitimately worried about walking out to my car with this. There were people coming up to me offering me way more money than what I had paid for it. But, you know, wow. a, as a gamer, you know, I was like, no, I'm not selling right. it. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, I didn't even think about that. You you trying to get swindled by the people that are trying to bribe you on the oh, oh, yeah, absolutely, dude. They, <laughs> they, 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 they wouldn't allow them to do it in the store. You know, the, they were like, no, you can't harass our, our customers. But in the parking lot, they were coming up to people and they were like, hey, I'll give you 800 bucks for it. I'll give you, and I was like, oh, no, no. Oh, my God. So, do you remember yeah. the price tag for that at the time? Um, uh, my PS2 was, I think it was 500 when it came out. It may have really? been four. Wow. I can't remember, uh, but yeah, there there were people offering. Now, my brother-in-law, because this was at a time when, um, or this may have been the PS3, when the PS3 released, uh, there was, it was kind of the same hysteria, and people were selling them on eBay and selling them for way more than than the, the original price. So my brother-in-law got the bright idea to buy a few of them and flip them and try to make his money. And it worked the first time. Yeah, it worked the first time. He bought like four he flipped them for almost double the price on all of them, and then he thought he would do it again. He would buy some more and flip them again, and the second time within, this was in probably a 48-hour period, a two-day period. The second day when he did it and he got his hands on some uh, because he had kind of like an inside source at a at a retail store that was, that was holding them for him and then would give them to him and he would buy them. Um, the second day, the price plummeted, and he got stuck with like five of them and wow. couldn't make any money on him at all so so yeah he 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 stayed in too long one day too long one so, yeah. day yeah one day 48 hour period that doesn't <laughs> sound long at all but yeah yeah that's crazy yeah it's pretty funny uh so back to the games what games stood out for you as as a, a young player there are games on those nes systems or you know i think you're you were an xbox guy right for sure yeah i uh i played a lot of 360 um but i um i grew up with the super mario on the on the uh nes as well as uh <laughs> duck hunt totally used to cheese my way and just stand in front of this oh you just put it right on the screen you just put the zapper right on the monitor like yeah but i think about it that's the like where the whole shooter enthusiast in me started like duck hunt is that the first glitch is that the first glitch like one of the first it may be i can i can see people on twitter right now fix this bug where i can just put the gun right on the monitor get on it right now and fix this bug but and regardless it was it's such a simple simple game and my brothers and i would have so much fun and, and that was obviously what it was all about um um for me though when i play these games um it was always a multiplayer element that stood out to me i always mm. wanted to play with somebody sharing the experience and it really could be anything my brothers my friends um it's just how i roll so games like mario kart double dash when that came out <clears> on the gamecube i spent a lot of time on that um I did eventually get a PS2 as well. I, I reason I ask you the price tag was because my, my mom obviously purchased it for mm -hmm. me at the time, so I, I don't know the cost of these things. I played a lot of <laughs> Monster Hunter One right. back then, and um, on the PC, my first, I guess, MMO-ish, if you can call it that, was Guild Wars and and a couple of the expansions on PC too. Those were some of like the best summers of my life. Um, my mom would actually kick my brothers and I and my friends out of the house to go get some sun. Um, 
and you know it's unhealthy for you to stay inside and play you know mario kart and monster hunter and all these stuff while you're supposed to be outside and, and being a kid and and you know and when she wasn't looking, it'd be right back inside again, obviously. But, you know, she said we were addicted, right? It, it's a problem and you need to stop doing this. But, you know, <laughs> it's just what I enjoy doing the most. And, you know, she's very old fashioned. And um, even now, you know, she she before I had got hired, she thought video games not were a waste of time, but I could be be, you know, allocating my, my myself and my skills elsewhere. And I kind of left my way all the way to North Carolina. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you're talking about the the price of consoles and your mom buying your PS2. The the only one that I remember really getting my my parents to get that was way more than than any console should be. I don't know if you uh, if you know of or have ever heard of uh, Panasonic put out a console. Uh, I'm wanting to say maybe around ninety four that was the Panasonic 3DO. It was just after like Genesis had started using uh discs for games and the Panasonic 3DO came out and its US price was it was either 7 or 800. dollars Uh I think it I think yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. Uh and that's what I talk to a lot of people about, you know, a lot of people talk about game development and stuff. Consoles have fluctuated quite a bit as far as price uh goes, you know, you know, down to to $300 up to 5-600. There's a big, you know, wide gap there, but uh, you know, you being part of of game development and stuff, you know as good as anyone, the price of games has generally not went up even since the NES days. I mean, NES games were in the forty to sixty dollar range, mm -hmm. and that's basically what a, a a a base level game is now. the The price of games has not really gone up. Where obviously the price of developing and creating these games has went up dramatically. So you know, I I don't know if that's something that we'll see in the future. But but as far as my opinion. Um, you know, as consumers, we obviously want to get things for the cheapest price that we can. But these guys are putting in some ridiculous work to create these games, and the price of them has not changed. Ubisoft has been moving into a more games-as-a-service model, and we want mm -hmm. to put a lot of effort and time into making these games long-lasting IPs for the consumer. And again, games have developed since 94, right? So mm -hmm. what you would see now as the standard is not even close to what was the standard back then so with expectations and and games being more complex and obviously what people expect and want to see in their video games grows keeping that price tag is something that has definitely remained consistent and that's something that's great for the consumer but you kind of have to make it up elsewhere yeah yeah um i i, I believe it was eves gilmont for uh for ubisoft that made a comment uh not long ago about um he saw the future of gaming past the next console generation so ps5 xbox whatever they call it that kind of stuff it becoming more of a a, a, a like a game uh, thing past just your console it would just be a you know maybe not having physical games but just a service uh, ubisoft service that you would pay to and i agree with him a lot of people are like ah, i don't know if physical will go away but we we see how quickly we move from uh you know physical copies into downloading right. games and stuff because i always used to buy games uh, i bought games obviously one because when i i would get 
get tired of them or beat them or whatever, I could trade them in, but I don't really look at gaming that way anymore. Games are something where I don't want to trade it in because uh, just like the division, they're always putting out updates and DLC, things to keep you playing the game. And I, I kind of agree with him where I think eventually that's going to be just the standard norm where we're just paying for uh, just, uh, you know, it may be a uh, Ubisoft service where we have access to their games and they're constantly updating and staying on top of what the community uh, wants and and I'm excited for that. I th I think it will probably come uh, in the next uh, six to eight years as well. I I see them coming out with another console uh, because Sony and and Xbox and them can can get those five hundred dollar consoles and we're gonna buy them up. Uh, I'll be the first one in line to to pick up both of them. Obviously, they they know they're gonna get my money. But but I can definitely see that becoming a thing as I've kind of transitioned more uh, from console into PC. I'm totally on board with that. Really, we're really trying to support the titles and make them worthwhile, right? And you know, back in the day, it was pay your sixty dollars and you'd play the campaign and it'd be done, right? And, and to some people's standards, whether that's not enough anymore or people want more, it's 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 really evolved in a way that um, I think we're really trying to take advantage of, right? Absolutely. So let's move on. So you have over sixty thousand subscribers on YouTube. That's super impressive. How did you how did you kind of get into that content creation scene? What was it for you that um, Wow. Um let me think. Um well I was always cognizant of YouTube kind of being a thing, right? Um back in the day, and I say that that was honestly like eight years ago now. I watched a fair <clears throat> bit of Call of Duty montages mm -hmm. and videos. I mean I I still play Call of Duty. It's, it's it was a big part of my life when I started YouTube, but uh, it wasn't really until I discovered Twitch that I found out Twitch like exists in late mm -hmm. 2012 or 2013 ish. That I thought to myself, "Wow, this is something that I could totally do somehow." Right. So I started my first stream up not too long after that. I think it was the summer of 2014, and I actually highlighted it. I, I saved it, and I can still look back on it to this day. And I took the time to prepare and I saved enough money working my part-time job for the equipment and, and I did the thing, right? And looking back now, like I said, if it's highlighted, the quality is just really terrible and it's really cringy to watch. It's just really bad. <laughs> this is really bad. But, you know, that's how you learn, right? I look now and yeah. I realize people are not kidding when they say you really got to start somewhere. And, and that's where I did. Uh, so I just recently started playing Rainbow Six Siege and I'm, okay. I'm really enjoying it. I, I cannot play it on console. Uh, I, I switched to PC f actually for the division. Uh, once I did ETF, I bought an Xbox. I bought a gaming PC so I could play with as much of the community as possible. And I start, yeah, oh, absolutely. And so, so I started playing Rainbow Six and just for whatever reason, mouse and keyboard to me translates really well to first person shooters. Um, sure. And so trying to play those games even other games that i used to play on console uh like the call of duties and the battlefields i i can't go back to controller it just feels awkward <laughs> with me on the sticks trying to pinpoint my accuracy with shooting and so i have to play on mouse and keyboard i just i, I can't do it um what was it about rainbow six uh Siege that you enjoyed so much i know you've done a lot of videos and i've watched a bunch on your youtube uh, as far as uh rainbow six siege what is it about that game that uh that you enjoy it was the first Tom Clancy title that touched my life in a way that I really never thought was possible. Uh, going back to me and my friends playing those games and my mom trying to kick us out of the house, it was Rainbow Six Vegas 1 that, that really, that was, it was a big part of that actually. I believe that came out in 2006. Um, again, I can correct myself, I apologize if that's, that's not <laughs> accurate. But um, um, 
it's a fair time to say then Rainbow Six Vegas won because it was an, unhe an unhealthy amount of time playing that game. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I had all the bells and whistles, right? I, I had the max rank. I knew where all the spawns were, and I'd, I'd run PvP with my buddies and stuff, right? That was like one of the best highlights of my life, right? And mm -hmm. there was a sequel following Vegas, right? Vegas <clears throat> 2. And then it kind of went off the radar for a while until Siege came out. Now, while it's diff it's very different from its predecessors, Siege offers that super high-level competitive play using that hero formula, you know, each operator mm -hmm. having their own kit, right? That was entirely new to me. I had never done anything like that before. Um, but new doesn't necessarily have to mean bad because... Uh, Ubisoft had me. I, I played the beta, and and that was it. It was game over for me. It, it was it was almost the problem. It, it was it was such a big part of my life, right? I think now I have over two thousand hours on Siege to this day. I've made it, you know, all those YouTube guides and stuff, and hitting max rank. It's just been my go-to, and it still is. You know, I, we all have our personal quirks and what we like to play, and that's just always been mine. And so that's kind of where your journey starts uh, to where you are now. You were a uh, an Ubisoft star player. Was that in two thousand and sixteen? That was 2016, yeah. 2016. So what was that experience like being uh, a Ubisoft star player? Now you're kind of on the other side of it. What was it like when you uh, when you got the, the call that you were going to be a Ubisoft star player? It was, it was really surreal. Um, I, you know, played and uploaded plenty of Siege at the time, but I actually was picked up as a star player for Ghost Recon, believe it or not. Um, I had played and had my run with Vegas 2, and I was itching for that Tom Clancy, that that itch. I really needed some more, and um, I found Ghost Recon Future Soldier, um, and I believe that came out in 2012. Um, that game blew me away. Like, absolutely. It felt right at home as a clump fancy title, and I just wanted a unique spin on the genre and the four-man squad, unique technology, the things that it offered. It was really, again, I, all these games within that Tom Clancy umbrella offered something new for me that I had never played before. So um, I was naturally waiting for the next Rainbow game when I came to find out that after Future Soldier, um, the next Ghost Recon game, and that would be Wildlands, was coming out in 2017. So I would dig through forums and news posts and Reddit and all that just to mm -hmm. try to find everything I could about it. And again, going back to YouTube, made all the videos and all the things that I could possibly do leading up to its launch and again fortunate enough to be invited as a star player and it's just really humbling to be considered to represent the games that you love you know you think that you're only one person and you're what doing nothing more important than playing a video game right and things and, right you know, I, I love them I really do um, the company recognizes the passion where it lives at its core speaking as a fan here not as a CM the level of interaction that Ubisoft has with its players is is unreal. I, I really do owe my job to this star player program. That E3 experience, I met Matt, I met Epi, Comdev on Rainbow. Mm -hmm. I've I met some of the best Ghost Recon friends that I have. So I, I really owe that that uh, that trip everything. So so kind of after being uh, a, a star player, did you know that that CM uh, was something that you wanted to pursue? Um, not actually entirely. Uh. It never really crossed my mind too much. I made my Ghost Recon videos and, and I did my thing and I never really thought about working in community too much, to be honest. Um, but when I was thinking about it and I had saw the job listing on Twitter, um, I think it was Epi that posted it when I had seen it. Um, I was kind of doing those things already. Um, mm -hmm. Not really the formal CM professional role but in my own way within the ghost recon community you know i was interacting with the community and i was making guides and talking to kiba about it 
And I always thought, what if? You know, I spent way too much time prepping my resume for that application, but I sent it off as a, you know what? Let's let's try it. Let's see what happened because you know you never know. And you know, some wizardry happened in between. I, I did something right, and and I, I'm forever grateful for that too. So, what was that feeling like when you got the position? When 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 they reached out to you and it was going to be a thing, you went through the interview process uh, and you got that position. What was that? What was that like? All of that hard work from content creating and and uh, you know build guides, all that hard work that you'd put it in had paid off. What was that? What was that like? I was actually streaming, believe it or not, when I had gotten the news. Is that stream out there? Can we find that? I don't think I, I honestly, I think I was so excited about it <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I was, I lost it that I forgot to highlight it, you know, and, and highlights only sit for so long. So I think I forgot, which I, I will forever regret that because I lost it on the stream and I, I, I didn't cry, but I, I, you know, I jumped out of the chair, I, I screamed, I, I, it was, it was so amazing to be considered for something like that. Um, and again, for something that I never initially thought that I would be capable of doing, but I, I you know, I, I decided to give it a shot and it was, I, I still remember sitting in the chair screaming, you know, telling my mom, told you so, I'm moving <laughs> to North Carolina, it's going to be amazing. And here I am. Absolutely. So you moved to North Carolina, you come on, uh, you know, Matt Shacha is leaving and you come in, obviously some big shoes to fill. We all love Matt. He did a, an unbelievable job. The guy, while he was on division and even after was a, an absolute machine on Twitter. How was he with helping you transition into that role that you'd be taking on? Oh, he was absolutely amazing. Um, well, the community too, first, let me, let me make this one clear was it was very vocal about the fact that i could never replace mr matt shacha did they remind you constantly you know what i <laughs> i completely understand i think it's a real testament to the work that he's done uh, on the game and for the community for sure um lucky for me this was the man that was going to be training me in all the things division and he still sits a short desk away um i'm sure he can tell you about all of the questions i had asked him and mm. i had still ask him right um but i was i was really uh, asking matt for all the help and all the uh the the details about division because it's such a complex game right um and not only that you know just outside of the division being a cm is, is all about picking up practices and improving strategies about how this field works because you know whether you want to believe it or not it's always changing so uh it keeps things fresh but also keeps us on our toes for sure and i do have matt to thank for that 110 percent. so shout out to him because you know i wouldn't be where i am today without him I'm sure Matt was an an excellent mentor. I've I've fawned over Matt uh, quite a few times on Twitter when I was uh, fortunate enough to be an ETF member. One of the uh, one of the biggest takeaways that I had uh, the day that we arrived at ETF, uh, Matt. It was not even a work day for him. He was not working at all, uh, and he was at the hotel and had been there from nine that morning until. Uh, extremely late into the night uh, and he just wanted to be there uh, so we would have a face that we recognized when we got to ETF the guy just sat there and had drinks with us and talked with us and interacted with us and talked about you know our our personal lives that kind of stuff and it was amazing to see a guy that decided to take his entire day off that he could have spent with his wife uh, and his daughter those kind of things and instead was was putting that time to uh, the community and and giving us a, a friendly face that we would recognize. Uh, it was amazing. Like I, I couldn't believe this guy was, was dedicated to that point where he was like, no, I need to be here for the community. So they know me, they can exactly. interact with me. Like, sure. Absolutely. He was, he was such a good, good guy to hang out with. 
I mean, even in his recent transition, actually, I say recent, how long has it been already? At least a couple of months. He He's constantly, you know, he's, he stays late. He he's, he's a workaholic, you know. He's been trying to make some more time for his daughter, and he, he does a really good job of that, too. But he, you could tell his, you know, his heart's in the right place. He really cares about improving um, the team as a whole, and he just really wants us to, to be better at what we do. I would ask you a loaded question about like which mohawk is cooler, Shacha or Spear, but that's just a question that's going to get you into a, a, a in big trouble with either one of them. So I, I won't go there. But last question before we head out, it's pretty straightforward. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, one sentence: How excited are you for the future? I personally, I'm super excited. Uh, but just uh, you know, are you uh, are you a, a a ten? Are you further than a ten? Are you excited for the future? It's it's like a twenty. Please. A twenty. You guys have absolutely no idea. A uh, twenty. Is cooking up so much in the shop right now for the sequel, and the March countdown is is really going strong. Um, I guess what I want to leave everybody with is that I want everybody to know. Uh, I want the community to experience the game that I, I think you guys all deserve for sure. Thank you again, Amper. I appreciate it, dude. No, I appreciate you having me, Weez. I really do. And and again, I, I love what you're doing, and I appreciate the work you've done for, for ETF before my time. <laughs> and again, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the future with you guys, man. Absolutely. We're going to get out of here. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll do it again real soon.